I would ask you to take your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Same chapter we were in last week. Um, we'll be in it uh, another couple of weeks as well. So, But this morning we're going to be reading in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 through 17. It is God's Word. I would ask you as a, as a response to God's Word, you would stand together with me as we read. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 14. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights uh, as the oldest son. Afterwards, as you know, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. He could uh, bring about no change of mind, though he sought, it, sought the blessing with tears. Thus far, the reading of God's word. You may be seated. sure you've all heard um, something like this. Maybe you've said it. Maybe you've said it in a family context. Um, if you're traveling somewhere in a long distance in a car full of children, um, I'm sure my parents probably said it is uh, every summer uh, we would head off to South Alabama for a two-week vacation. And, uh, you know, the air conditioning in those days, it was a 450 air conditioning, right? You're driving down the highway at 50 miles an hour and roll down all four windows. And there were four children in the car. And uh, me being the littlest, I had to sit in the middle, right, in the back seat. And a sister on each side. And the, with the seats, you know, they had the little ridges like this and the little lines down the ridges. And they would mark off where their spot was and where mine was. And they would say, all right, this is your side and this is my side. And then the other one, this is your side. And I have a you know, spot like this. And uh, so I can just imagine my parents hearing us bickering all the way uh, the 10-hour uh, trip to South Alabama. And it, and it would get kind of boring. And I'm sure there was some of the, don't make me stop this car. You don't want me to stop this car now. Don't make me come back there. But, but I imagine at times there was this uh, statement, something like, why can't we all just get along, right? Maybe you've said that in, in a context like that or uh, maybe a, a work context. Maybe you've heard something. Why can't we just all get along? It's, it's, it's I guess, a, a, little, a legitimate question. Uh, we wonder why others don't just get along with us. I mean, we're easygoing, right? It's always the other person's fault. If there's no getting along, uh, it's their problem. Uh, I'm not the problem. Uh, I'm never the one that causes the problem, right? We might feel that way. Um, Hebrew, in the book of Hebrews here in our text this morning, he seems to be uh, telling us that we, we do need to do what it takes to be at peace with one another. And we're to be uh, always living, and we have a responsibility to live peacefully with all people uh, if we can. And as we look at this, as we look at his, his, 
instructing us to live at peace with other people, you see that it is an individual responsibility each of us have personally, but it's more than that. It's a corporate responsibility that we have as individuals living together, and in, in, especially in the church. And so this morning I want us to look at these, uh, these two aspects of getting along and living at peace with one another. And uh, I want you to see what he says, first of all, about personal responsibilities. We see that in verse 14. Uh, Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. This is a, the, the personal thing. You, you ought to be doing everything you can to live at peace with all people. This is a, you remember Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. He tells us that this is something we ought to do as well. Matthew 5, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. He goes on in the same Sermon on the Mount a little bit later on, uh, verses 40, uh, 44 and 45. He says, But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that they may be sons of your Father in heaven. This seems kind of counter to what we have in our culture, isn't it? Love your enemies? No, we, we think more like strangle your enemies, right? How can I get back at them? What can I do to show them just how much they, uh, how wrong they were and how much they upset me? What can I do to get them? Well, Jesus says, love them. Well, you know, wait a minute, that doesn't seem right. It does seem to be uh, counter to what our culture would tell us. Uh, if we're to live at peace with our neighbors, we need to have a sense of, of loving them. Uh, Paul speaks uh, to the issue in Romans chapter 12, verse 18. Uh, he says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. As far as it, is it possible... Uh, to live at peace with everyone? Or is it always, I've got to let them know just how badly they treated me? Our neighbor threw his beer can in my yard, and he's got to know about it. He's got to know that's not right and proper. And I'm going to tell him, and the next time he does it, I'm going to have to call the police on him, right? I'm not sure that's a, a loving way to approach it. We, uh, we need to avoid... Uh, hostilities. Live at peace with all men. Uh, don't think that you always have to retaliate. Make every effort, the author of Hebrews says, to, to live in peace with all men. Um, we, we don't do this, and I, I think part of the reason uh, can be seen in James chapter 4, first two verses. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something and you don't get it. You kill and you covet and you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and you fight. Uh, it's all because of my covetousness, my greediness, what I want. I want to be comfortable and everybody else ought to live for my comfort and my pleasure and never cross that line, right? It begins to take a diff. We need to be peacemakers, and with that type of attitude that everyone is there to meet my needs and to take care of me, well, that doesn't exactly happen. 
True, true peace is not, is not uh, available that way. And he tells us here that true peace comes only if we're holy. He says, make every effort to live at peace with all men and to be holy. We're to, to live at peace and to be holy. Now, what does holiness mean? We all know this, right? What does it mean to be holy? Well, it comes from the same word. It has to be to be separate. When the uh, when the uh, heavenly beings say, "Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty," what are they talking about? He's different. He is not part of His creation. God is not a created being. He's the only non-created being. He is absolutely separate from everything else that we see or hear or feel. Everything that is around us part of creation. God is separate from that. He's separate from us. Well, he's created us to be holy as well. And that is, we're to be separate from the rest of his creation. In what way? Well, you remember, in creation, God makes man... In his own image. All of the rest of creation, he, he kind of formed with his spoken word. And man, he forms out of the dust of the ground. And then he does something amazing to give him life. He breathes life into him. God breathed life right into him. That's different from any of the rest of the creation. Now, as, as God's image, we're to be reflecting God in his character and who he is to all of the rest of creation. That's a holy calling. That's a separate calling. That's what we're to do. We're to be his royal ambassadors everywhere. And true peace comes only when we begin to exhibit this type of holiness. We're made in Christ to be holy when we kind of lost that holiness in the fall. But look with me back a couple of pages in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 10. Uh, and by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Christ, uh, of Jesus Christ, once for all. Uh, through the work of Christ, He has uh, God not only created us, but He has recreated us in Christ Jesus and has made us holy. Now, there's such a thing, and, and the Bible does this quite often. There's, there's the imperatives or those things that we're supposed to do. We get that. We get that with the Ten Commandments. And even right now, we've got an imperative to live at peace with everyone. He's telling us this is what you're supposed to do. But there's also an indicative. Uh, these are different Greek uh, modes. And the indicative is what you are. The indicative here is you are holy. The imperative is... Live what you are. Live as you are holy. Christ has made you holy. Now you are supposed to live that way. Um, this is from a pastor in uh, Southwoods, South Southern Baptist Church in Tennessee. It says, uh, our worldview, uh, what happens in sanctification, that is whereby we become more and more holy. He says, our worldview changes. So that holiness is the habit of being one mind with God. According as we find his mind described in scripture, it affects our obedience so that a holy man will endeavor to shun every known sin and to keep every known commandment. It brings us to Christ's likeness so that a holy man will strive to be like our Lord Jesus Christ. 
being more Christ-like. That's much of what it means to be holy. He goes on, much of our Christianity today is not big, or excuse me, much of Christianity today is big on profession and short on holiness. Yes, I'm a Christian, but there is no difference in the way I live and anyone else who's out there who doesn't even claim to be a Christian. He said, we must be reminded that if we are not pursuing holiness, it is because we are not Christians. Do you hear that? I think he's right. He's Southern Baptist and he's right here. Okay? He says, we must be reminded that if we're not pursuing holiness, it's because we're not Christians. You're pursuing holiness. You're pursuing uh, what God would have us to be. If we're pursuing holiness, uh, peace, uh, the desire to pursue peace uh, comes along with that. So personally, we pursue peace with everybody, with all men, uh, even if maybe they should do things to offend us. We're still trying to do what we can to pursue peace with us, with them, and we are to live holy lives. But then he goes on. That's the personal responsibilities. As individuals, that's what we have. But, but listen to this. In verse 15, he says, see to it. And then back uh, again in... In verse 16, he starts off with the same, uh, same little phrase, see to it, or see that no one is. Uh, see to it, verse 15, see, see to it that no one misses the grace of God. He's gone beyond just looking at my personal individual uh, peace and holiness, saying, I, I have a responsibility outside of this. It's not just me. It's not just me and Jesus. As a Having a relationship with God and a relationship with Jesus, it means that I have responsibilities beyond that because there's no such thing as a lone ranger Christian. When you become a Christian, you become a part of the body of Christ and you can't separate yourself from it. You remember in Genesis chapter 3, the Lord comes to Cain and he's asking about Abel and Cain says, am I my brother's keeper? We might ask the same thing in the church today. Am I my brother's keeper? Well, over and over again in the New Testament, and even here in Hebrews chapter 12, the answer is yes. Yes, I am my brother's keeper. I have a responsibility for you, and you have a responsibility for me because we're part of the same body. We're united together. We're in communion with one another. If you're in Christ and I'm in Christ, we're in that same body. We have a responsibility for one another. And so we are to see after one another and to try to help one another. And so verse 15, see to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See to it that no one, see to it that no one misses the grace of God. Um, again, to quote from uh, Southwest Baptist Church pastor there he says responsibility for one another seems to be the loss seems to be lost in the shuffle of success today he said such a mindset flies in the face of a New Testament Christianity a person is never considered a Christian apart from a relationship to the church and a relationship to the church always carries responsibilities 
While the church does not save, all who are saved are saved in relationship to the church. Whose responsibility is it to make sure that no one comes short of the grace of God? The writer's not uh, posing this for the world at large, but for the church in particular. As a Christian, you are to be in the church and responsible for the body's health. You're responsible for the rest of us in here. And I'm responsible for the rest of us in here. We're united in a way that God has put us together. And we're not to think of ourselves just as a lone ranger. I do have corporate responsibilities. And the, and the corporate responsibility here, seeing that, uh, seeing that no one misses the grace of God, no one would take it lightly and turn from it, and that's part of the, what, what they're having issues with here that the author of Hebrews is writing to. You know the grace of God, and yet you're, you're looking at all the hardships and the troubles and trials and difficulties you're going through, and you're thinking of turning away. He says, every one of you need to be aware of anyone else who's thinking that. Make sure that they don't, they don't depart from the grace of God. Keep reminding them. Remind them that this is not something for, but God has told us that it's going to happen to us. It happened to our Savior. It happened to all the apostles. Why would we think it shouldn't happen to us? Look at all the great cloud of witnesses in, in Hebrews chapter 11 and all that they went through. It's going to go, we're going to go through it too. But that's okay. Keep the faith. Do not miss on the grace that God has. Do not turn from the grace that God has brought to us. No bitter root grows up to cause trouble and to defile many. The bitter root, we can look back in the Old Testament and see a, a bitter root of those who were in Deuteronomy 29, 18, those who are turning away from God uh, to uh, foreign gods. A bitter root of bitterness is uh, turning away from God, being bitter about what he's, what he's done for us. I uh, was speaking to someone just yesterday and Speaking of a gentleman that uh, they hadn't seen in a while, and uh, he used to go to church here. He's moved away, but uh, she was able to see him. And uh, he said said he was he was mad at, at the man. And she said, well, are "You mean Daryl? You mad at Daryl?" "No, not him. I'm not mad at him. It's, it's the man up here. I'm just angry with him." Well, there seems to be a bit of a root of bitterness there, right? Uh, it's not something that that uh, we need to remind everyone that. Uh, we're created for God's glory. And even as Job would say, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We're to live to glorify him in whatever circumstance he puts us in. And we're to be reminded of that and to remind others as we see it. Don't let this root of bitterness grow and, uh, and defile many. Uh, verse 16, see to it, here again, see to it. My responsibility for the rest, your responsibility for the rest. See to it that no one is sexually immoral. Um, you remember about uh, uh, Moses who wouldn't uh, accept the uh, sin for a season, the pleasures of sin for a season. <laughs> we can think of the sexually immoral as maybe the pleasure of sin for a season. We're not to do that. Uh, um, so he says, uh, make sure that no one is there. Remember in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians, and Paul writes to the church in Corinth, and there's someone in that church who, uh, 
whose father's married probably to a, a woman who's most likely not his mother, but he's married to this other woman. It's his father's wife, and the man is now living with her. And he says, you know what? We shouldn't allow this thing. This doesn't even happen in pagan circles, and you're allowing it in the church. He said, get, get rid of it. You have a responsibility to see to it that no one is living this way. It brings a bad... Um, bad light on the church and we have a responsibility for God in his church and for others in the church as well and then he says or is godless we got to make sure that others are not godless like Esau who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as his as the oldest son uh, and afterwards he wants it back and he can't get it back and even with tears um, we're to watch out for one another to see that one another doesn't disdain the good things that God has given us, does not disdain uh, the pleasures of being able to come into his presence with the rest of God's people to worship and adore him, does not disdain um, all of the many gifts that God has given us now and, and even the promises of a better life to come. We cannot uh, allow someone to disdain those things. And we need to understand that the, our best life is not supposed to be right here and right now, contrary to what some might tell you. We need to make sure that we all know and that we continue to uh, look out for one another in that way. So why can't we all get along? Well, uh, I, I guess the, the real part of the real problem is uh, we're seeking our own ways so much. Um, but we're to live at peace with all men and to be holy as, as God has called us to be holy. And we're to not only look out for ourselves in this regard, but look out for the rest of the body as well to move us towards that, that life, that mature life where we see God in his goodness and his love and, his, and all the benefits of being a child of his even in the midst of, of difficult and trying times, we're to desire peace with all man. It starts with you as an individual living out a holy life that you've been called to, and it starts with each of us as a body uh, having responsibilities to one another to help build one another up and help one another be mature uh, so that... Uh, we continue to remember the goodness of our Lord even in difficult times. Well, let's pray together.